Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. My name is Michael Lejeune, and I will be your host today on Game Changers, and I want to get right into the show by welcoming our guest, Carol Bernard. Carol is the co-founder of Govology.com. Carol, please take a minute to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your company. Well, thanks, Michael. Uh, Yeah, we started out, um, basically, we were a small business, and uh, my background is that I got my start in the acquisition community back as a supply officer in the Navy, and then as I came off of active duty, I worked in the government as a buyer for a number of agencies. I worked with the local city uh, procurement department. I worked as a contract specialist with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And my last tour in the government, as I like to refer to it as, is I was a uh, business development specialist. And now that position is called a business opportunity specialist uh, with the U.S. Small Business Administration in the Portland District. And as it relates to this particular uh, subject today, I did a lot of reviewing of uh, the mentor-protege applications for the 8A program, which we'll talk a little bit about. Back in the day when I was at the SBA, I I had a lot of businesses. I was working at the SBA at the time of the recession, and there was a lot of businesses that, you know, their private business was drying up, and they were looking for government contracts as a solution to save their business. However, I think that we both know it's really hard to just turn on the government contracts, you know. Right. But in looking at what resources I had available to me, there was an SBA online uh, directory of, of training, and they, they still have one today, but I found that it was really an introduction. And at that time, I, I didn't really see a lot of great online resources to connect people with education that would go beyond that. And so over the last five years, I've been doing some different things. Uh, I've worked directly with uh, the Procurement Technical Assistance Center program. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, I've done some consulting. And uh, essentially, it got to the point where this need for this online training kept coming back to me 
So we launched Govology.com uh, last year, actually, and it's been about one year now. And so we have a good set of diverse training. So it'll give the contractors that ability to, number one, get the fundamental education that they need to you know, build their foundation uh, for success in the government marketplace. And then number two, have a point to where they can go out and continue their education in a way that's uh, affordable to them and accessible to them, uh, because a lot of times, Small business owners have busy schedules. They always can't make it to some of the local events that might even uh, be held in their area. I, I think that's super important that that more companies do what you're doing out there right now. You know, we we have online training and stuff too, and and so I can totally see how that need is in the market. You know, you don't have time to go to a local event, or hey, you want to do your training at seven o'clock at night while you're you know in your pajamas getting ready for the next day or whatever it is. And so being able to get on a website and run through some videos and take notes in a quiet space, I mean, that's, I think that's a big deal, especially when, uh, you know, a lot of people are, to me, the government hasn't changed a whole lot in 30 years. When you look at it on the surface, people are still trying to do things the old way. And so you've, you've got people that are still trying to go to conferences to get 90, 95% of their education. So being able to, to come and do something online like you guys are doing at Govology, to me, is super important, especially for the next generation that would rather watch a YouTube video than, you know, get in a car, get in a plane, fly somewhere and spend three days to sit in one session. Because that's what I find a lot of times when I go, you know, not saying anything bad about all the sessions at some of these places, but I don't, I don't really want to go somewhere and walk 17 miles at some of these conferences. If you've been to like some of them where that you, you walk miles and miles and miles because you, you want to see your like two or three main sessions. And so those are all still really good places, really good networking. A lot of stuff really happens, but it just doesn't fit everyone. And so having an alternative solution like this is just, it's really, really good. So I, I, I really love what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and, thank you. Yeah. And so today we're going to be talking about finding mentors in the federal marketplace. And again, you know, when, when I started coming up in business, I didn't really know what a mentor was. And then figured out what a mentor was and all that type of stuff. And then someone introduced me to, hey, there's actually a mentor protege program. And I'm like, oh, so there's something formal, not just, you know, knocking on, you know, your boss's door and saying, hey, would you mentor me? There are actually formal programs for companies. So I'd like to dive into that for people who don't know what, what this is and even the ones who do and, and figure out how to get the best out of it. So in, in your mind, what is the importance of even finding mentors in this government marketplace? Yeah, well, I think that uh, the, the first thing that we should do is distinguish the difference between your general business mentor, like most people think about, and what we're going to be talking about today. So in general, just like you said, you know, there's general business mentors, advisors, and this is just a good practice for any business to go out and basically find somebody that can come in, help you out, give you some pointers, and they may or may not have a, a vested interest in your company. The, the difference between what we're going to be talking about today with regards to a formal uh, federal mentor protege program and specifically uh, the one that we're going to be talking about with the new uh, SBA universal mentor protege program is that typically when you find a mentor, they're going to want something from that relationship. And that's okay because once you get that uh, mentor established, what you're likely going to do, the end goal typically is for two companies to form a partnership 
or what they call a joint venture in the government marketplace. And, you know, this is important for small businesses uh, because I really think this, this is the one of the most important things, in fact, for small businesses, because as a lot of small businesses go out there and you start to learn about doing business with the government agencies, a lot of times they're going to find that the government is bundling up a lot of requirements. And so some of the contract vehicles that the government buys through are a little bit bigger than what an individual business is able to go out and, and capture and pursue on their own. So they really have to start thinking about this whole aspect of bringing on a partner that can help them capture that contract. And a lot of times the two main factors that prevent small businesses from being able to capture larger federal contracts is that they don't have either the right uh, past performance or they don't have the right experience because the government typically doesn't want to be your first customer. If the VA is building a, uh, a, a wing to their hospital, they want to see that you've already done that in a different setting. And if you haven't done that, that's where the partnerships come in. That's where either through a teaming or a joint venture structure, that partner can bring the experience to your team that the VA is going to be looking for to go after and, and capture that larger contract. And so that's what the importance of that mentor-protege program is uh, for small businesses. Now, you don't need to be in a mentor-protege program in order to team up in certain capacities. But what makes it unique, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is that uh, this new program is going to allow something that's never been available before to most small businesses. And that's the ability to form a joint venture with a large business and that entity itself be a small business in the federal marketplace. So in that aspect, two companies are going to join up together pulling the experience and the performance and everything from both companies to form a separate entity that's going to be certified as a small business. That was not available uh, before, uh, except for a specific program that I worked with within the SBA. And now that's going to be open to all small businesses. And in fact, I thought that at the time uh, when I was working as a, uh, a business development specialist at the SBA, with the 8A program. And I know maybe not everybody knows what the 8A program is, uh, but that's a special program that is mostly for socially and economically disadvantaged businesses to enter into this nine-year business development program. And when they got into that program, they had some certain benefits that helped them grow their business. Now, most people saw the big benefit of that program as the sole source contracts, but I always viewed the teaming aspect and the ability to do that joint venture with a larger business as really one of the most uh, beneficial aspects. And I think that even a lot of 8A program participants really never really understood how big this could be to them. And so now that they're opening it up to all small businesses, I love the name of your podcast because we actually just did a course on this on Govology with uh, Stephen Co-Prince uh, called, you know, Game Changer. That's the, the first word that we used, you know, the nice. SBA's new universal mentor-protege program because, you know, we really believe that this will be a game changer in the government marketplace. And, uh, you know, for some small businesses that are able to leverage this new program, I think they're going to have, you know, a huge benefit from 
And on the other side, I think that if you don't know about this program and you're out there competing with other small businesses who now has a large partner behind them, which you may or may not know about, it's going to be hard for some businesses maybe to even compete, you know? So it's very important to really understand uh, whether or not you want to pursue this, how that this new law and this new uh, allowability for small businesses will impact all small businesses across the spectrum. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super important for people to understand because, you know, when there's tweaks to the laws, uh, again, it's one of those things. A lot of people come in, they lock themselves into whatever the current law is, and then don't really keep themselves up to date. And that's what even a podcast like this will at least jar them into saying, oh, wow, there, there's an update. I need to go look at this. So you've, you've kind of touched on a few of the benefits of this new uh, SBA mentor protege program. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and how it's going to help them, you know, be a game changer for small business? Yeah. So typically let's go back to that, that challenge that the small businesses have. And I've worked with a lot of small businesses. And in fact, uh, after I left the SBA, uh, I was doing some consulting with a program which was grant funded by the SBA called uh, the Small Business Teaming Pilot Program. And the idea about that program was to help two or more small businesses team up to go after larger federal contracts. And basically, they define larger federal contracts as those that were greater than half the size standard of the NAICS code. So we're talking about pretty big contracts. If you look at the general construction NAICS code at 36 and a half million, they were talking about contracts that were greater than half of that size standard. And so, you know, it, it was hard for those small businesses to go after those projects. And back then, most small businesses didn't have this ability to team up with a larger business. So if you can imagine, let's just take a construction firm example. If you can imagine a small construction firm uh, that has maybe a bonding capacity of, you know, maybe a million dollars. Now they're trying to team up with another small construction firm that has a bonding capacity of maybe $5 million or $10 million. Well, they're still not getting to that $10 million bonding. So that's where this program is going to help out uh, from a couple of aspects is that one, it will allow them to basically have more flexibility in teaming up with large businesses out there to jointly pursue work. So again, bringing in that performance, bringing in that experience that the government is looking for, and sometimes bringing in the bonding, but that's not the extent of it. You know, whatever the businesses deems as, hey, this is one of our weaknesses. And that's one of the things that I would recommend is you do an assessment, you do that SWOT analysis of your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And the areas where you know that you're weak, if it's bonding that's preventing you from getting contracts, if it's the financing that you need to get the contracts off the ground and running, you know, if it's your proposal writing efforts, uh, whatever it is, you can list those things. And as you go and look for this larger partner in the government marketplace to come in and support you, these are the things that you're going to say, we need support in these areas. Basically, if you mentor us and provide us some support in these specific areas, we can go through this new mentor-protege program. And ultimately, once we get approved in that program, uh, you're going to provide us this specific assistance. And in exchange, we're going to pursue some contracts together. And the larger businesses like this because there's about $100 billion that's spent every year in the small business marketplace where some of these larger businesses can't pursue. 
So it's a very unique thing. And that's one of the reasons why I love the federal marketplace, because they have that large pool of set aside contracts where I think it's the only place in the world where a small business can go to a company like, you know, Hewlett Packard or AT&T or maybe another large construction firm and say, hey, we want to partner with you here. Let's let's form a partnership together and, and pursue work in the small business marketplace. And so this is what this new role is going to allow. And I will also say this, I just threw out a couple of names there. Uh, it doesn't have to be an AT&T. It could be a, a larger small business or a larger business that's just outside of the small business range. And what I found is that the larger the companies, sometimes the harder it is because of the bu bureaucracy to really get these deals done, you know, and the risk, uh, you know, level of, you know, people not understanding things. And so I think that, you know, as people maybe go out there and start looking for, you know, who's going to be a good partner for us uh, to basically look at that, you know, who's maybe big, but not too big. And the benefit of that is that, you know, as you go out there and pursue this, you're going to actually identify other teaming partners. You know, you might identify a service disabled vet firm if you're not a service disabled vet that you might want to team with to pursue those SDVOSB opportunities. So it always doesn't have to be a large business. But what I have found is that about probably 90%, I'm just going to take a guess here, probably about 90% of all of the small business set-asides out there are done for small businesses. And so when you start having these teaming relationships um, with other small businesses, like the example that I just used, you know, if you are wanting to go after an SCVOSB contract, you don't have the certification, you team up with another firm to pursue an opportunity. Well, when it comes to the point where it's a general small business set aside, it's like really every, every firm for themselves really. And, and, and nobody is going to be that interested in teaming up with you to go after those larger projects if they themselves are a small business, because they will say, well, I don't really need to team with you on this one. And so that's where having that larger partner, I think, is going to be very helpful because they have no play at all into that marketplace, that $100 billion marketplace, unless they have that small business partner to take the lead. And then they're going to be either coming back as a subcontractor or they're going to be that joint venture partner where they form that separate legal entity. And basically, you'll have all the power of both companies kind of wrapped into one to pursue opportunities out there in the, in the small business marketplace. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a big point there because I, I think when I talk to a lot of companies, there's a, a couple of fears and a couple of what I would call myths that are out there. And when they look at contracting, they say, well, you know, this is a small business set aside for whatever. Um, and well, I, I this strategy is not going to work for me because I have to do X percentage of the work or whatever it may be. And I think under regular teaming, that may be true, but not under this JV that you're talking about right. where, where you've, you basically brought the full power of both companies under one entity that is now has past performance and 8A or whatever it may be. It, it has all of that power under one umbrella versus saying, well, you know, under a regular teaming agreement or a subcontractor agreement, that's where you really get them under the subcontractor's agreements. It looks like, well, okay, well, how much of the work are you really doing versus that guy? And that's what really complicates it. It's funny because it's literally just a piece of paper, right? Uh, you know, the, right. the separate, but it's a legal piece of paper 
that is a, a contract vehicle on your side to be able to do this differently. And I think that's a distinction that I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, why go form a JV when I could just sign a teaming agreement? You know, what, right. what's the big difference? And, and I think, you, I mean, you hit on a lot of those points there about that. I, I do think for, for a lot of companies, the big challenge on the front end, at least from what I've seen, is because I've been asked this question. How do I find and attract mentors to participate me, with me in this program? So, I mean, some thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I do. And before I say something about that, I just wanted to kind of jump back to something you said. It's a great point that you brought up with regards to uh, the other challenge, you know, that the small businesses have, which is doing the required percentage of work that the government wants them to do. And each kind of industry is a little bit different, you know. And for example, you know, in a service contract, typically uh, a small business will have to do, you know, at least 50% of the work on that or 51% of the work on that. Uh, and with a construction contract, sometimes they only have to do 15% of the work. Right. But sometimes even that percentage is hard to make. One of the other kind of unique secrets of these joint ventures is that if you team up or joint venture with another firm, Basically, the joint venture is tasked with doing the percentage of performance requirements. So let's just say that's 50% of, of the contract. Now, in a normal circumstance, your business wouldn't have the ability to do that. But again, as a partnership with this other firm, you know, you could do that and your requirement becomes 7% of that performance. So in the case of a construction contract, a general contractor which would normally have to do a 15% of the contract. Now they only have to do 7% of the 15%. So it starts to get, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 40% of the 15%. I, I right, said that wrong. Right, right. Yeah. But no. overall, it may equate to like a 7% thing, you know. So it, it allows them to really even do, you know, a smaller part of the project you know, get 51% profit on the whole project. So it's, it's a really beautiful thing. Yeah. No, that's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's super powerful. And again, again, it's a little distinction like that, that really is a game changer for these small businesses. So I really like, so, so back to, uh, and, and thank you for clarifying that. I really appreciate that. So, but so back to the question of what are some tips, strategies, on how to find and attract mentors to participate in this program. Because, again, I think it's a big deal for a lot of people. They don't even know where to start. They're like, I don't right. – do you pick up the phone book? Do you, yeah. do you, is there software you would send them to? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and, and I can understand that it's – for most people that are first hearing about this, it's a lot to wrap your head around. You know, first you, you need to get some understanding of what the programs are and how they work, you know, so – I would recommend starting out with the educational piece. You know, we have some good training on govology in this area on demand. Uh, Michael, I know you guys do some great things in this area too um, at RSM Federal. So I would start with the education. So you can really start educating yourself on how this is all going to happen. Because before you even get to the table with a partner, you really, in a lot of instances, are going to need to walk them through how this is going to look. And you might be surprised to find that even though you're going to team up with a large business, they might not have any clue on how this is all going to work. So when you go to the table with them, you're wanting to basically be in the driver's seat and say, 
this is the opportunities we're going to go after together and this is how we're going to do it and you know we've got an attorney we've got advisors that's going to be able to put all of this into uh, um, a workable plan for us and into the agreements and it's going to be beautiful so the first thing once you have that knowledge that you can kind of speak and close the deal with your partners i would say first look at your current relationships you know it's always good to start out with people that you know and in fact if the end goal is to form that separate partnership really you want to know you know who you're getting into bed with here you know right. because you want to be able to have some trust in the company perhaps uh, uh you want to date for a little bit before you get married you know maybe you go out and do a couple of projects together uh, either as a sub to to one of these other partners, maybe it's somebody you're already subbing to that you can go to to say, hey, why don't we turn things around here? And if you guys are willing to support us in a in a sub capacity or maybe even as a joint venture partner, we could do a lot of great things in the small business marketplace in the federal government. So I would say look to those existing relationships to see if you have anybody there that you can go to. If you don't, uh, what I would say is to learn how to conduct market research. There's a few resources. In it, and again, that's where sometimes having that educational piece will come in is being able to go out there and look at some of the federal spend databases that are out there freely available to the public, like usaspending.gov and the federal procurement data system at fpds.gov. Uh, again, we do have one course on Govology called how to do market research on the federal marketplace. It kind of helps people go through the FPDS system so they can identify who their target agencies are, uh, which typically I refer to that as the top spending agencies within their industry and within their geographic area. But you can also find out, well, who are the players there? You know, who are all the contractors that are actively doing business there? and then start to maybe reach out to some of those contractors. Number one, in the first instance, you may even want to say, hey, you know, here we are, we can do some subcontracts for you under your current contracts. And then as you develop that relationship and as it grows, you can say, hey, what would you think about you know, partnering up with us if we're going after uh, certain you know, contracts on our own that you guys, you guys can't pursue? So that's another good way of doing it. Um, attending local events, uh, there's a lot of, um, local events that happens and not everywhere in the country. Of course, if you're in the Beltway, you could probably spend your whole day every day going out to government market right. events. But once you get, you know, out in the Midwest and West Coast, you know, there's not that many available, but there are some. And so if you, you want to get involved with those, um, I would say there's a local events. There's what they call industry days, where if you're connecting with your target agencies, uh, watching fedbizops.gov, uh, that's going to put out special notices about these industry days that the government has that contractors come to. That's a great way of meeting other players in the industry. Um, procurement technical assistance centers, I kind of mentioned those folks a little bit earlier. And what that is, it's a program that's uh, partially funded by the Department of Defense and it's partially funded by various nonprofit and government agencies uh, across the United States. Uh, there's about 300 offices across the U.S. And uh, so basically that is a good 
uh, first step resource for contractors. They can get some uh, free one-on-one -on -one counseling. Uh, the PTACs the do provide training and they do host a number of events like Meet the Primes, which is another great uh, networking event and some other events in the area. So, and typically in every state, there's like one big government contracting conference that they will hold once a year. And, and so that's, uh, that's another area. And so what I would also say is that you don't necessarily have to look to people that are already in the federal marketplace. I mentioned that that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect is that you can look to contractors that maybe have the capabilities that the government is looking for, but maybe for some reason or another, they're just not directly involved in the government marketplace. And I can kind of share one example real quick. Uh, uh, you know, I was working with a small contractor here in, in my state and, and we were looking at a, a particular project and uh, part of the project had building a couple of railroad uh, bridges. Well, you know, a small business is not going to have those skills, you know, and so, you know, hey, I just was helping them out. I did a Google search on firms in the area that did railroad bridge construction and, you know, we found a bigger, you know, partner that could come in and, and do that piece. And so that's, again, you know, they might not already be involved, but they don't necessarily already have to be involved. And actually, sometimes those contractors are good contractors to work with because a lot of the ones that's done a lot of government business, they might already have a teaming partner. And so you might not be, you know, the first one to the game there. And so being able to reach out when you see that the government is looking for a specific set of criteria from a contractor, you can reach out to somebody that's not even participating, but they have what the government is looking for and say, hey, do you want to team up and go after this or, you know, maybe even kind of build a, a longer term relationship and maybe do this joint venture that we've been talking about. And then we can go after, you know, more government work through this particular structure. Yeah, no, I think that's very important for people to hear that because again, most people are going to say, Hey, I'm going to focus on people that are already doing government work because they're going to understand the language. They're going to understand the RFP process. And yeah, they're also probably going to have partners. So, yeah. so you're, you're absolutely right. And so, you know, what better way to start a relationship than going to a company that's not in the government and saying, hey, if we work together, I think I can open up a new line of business for your company. And because of, you know, my skills and abilities and your skills and abilities and past performance, we can go knock this out of the park, at least locally. You know, what, what a great way to do that. So I, I really like that strategy and, and just the thought process behind it. And I like how you mentioned up front getting some knowledge. You know, we say this all the time internally here at our company. We'll say you know, when we're going really, really fast, we're like well, you need to slow down so you can go faster. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you just need to slow down and get a little bit of education so you can go faster because there, to me – Getting a sales meeting or getting a joint venture or a partner meeting is a big step for any company. And to go in and totally miss the mark, you've expended a lot of energy there. So I'm not saying you got to go take, you know, two years at college to, to understand what you need to before you approach a joint venture. But I think you need the basics and, you know, you need some understanding so you know what you're talking about. You know what you're asking for. You know what you want. You know the best way to get that deal done. Otherwise, you're really back to the military. You're just wasting rounds downrange, right? You, you just, you just, and you don't know why. 
So just a little bit of education from, you know, calling Govology, calling RSM Federal, calling the PTAX, calling someone who knows what's going on and getting even a couple of hours of over-the-shoulder coaching or hand-holding, mentoring, whatever you want to call it, I think is a, is a massive first step for folks. You know, listening to other podcasts like this that are out there, what, you know, looking up YouTube videos, whatever it may be, getting some education is a huge piece. So I'm really glad you talked about that up front. That's a, that's a really big one. So as, as we start to wrap up here, this has all been really good stuff. Any final thoughts to kind of wrap this up for our folks? Yeah, you know, what I'll say is I'll, I'll give a couple of takeaways is, is number one, and you just talked about it, and I'm going to reiterate it, you know, but, you know, start educating yourself and doing business uh, in the government marketplace. And specifically, if you want to kind of understand and pursue this pathway, you know, find some education that's based around teaming, you know, try to get your uh, knowledge there so that you you have that ability to go out and start to talk with partners about Hey, you know, here's a great opportunity for for us to go after, and here's how we can make things happen here. Uh, you know, and I know that you guys have some training uh, in this area, and this is what I like about what I see from you guys as well, because I think that you guys have the same kind of concept as we have. Is that you know, let's try to make the education affordable to people out there, because for small businesses, uh, what I've typically observed is that, you know, it's $1,200 for one course. And sometimes you have to fly to DC just to get that, you know? So I'm really glad to see that, you know, with some of the things that uh, you guys are doing and what we're doing is that we're trying to get to make this education available to people because we understand, I think that people need more than one class, you know, (laughs) you need, you need a, you need continuous education uh, and you need a number of classes to, I think, to get you to that level of knowledge that's going to basically be there for you so you can go out and have those conversations with potential partners. And I kind of think about it like the Shark Tank, you know. I mean, really, you need to prepare yourself. You need to educate yourself. And when you get to the table with a larger business, you need to be able to sell them. And you need to be able to also answer questions that they might ask you about how is all of this going to work. So the second point that I'm going to make is that, you know, find two or three government market advisors for your business. You know, I mentioned that the Procurement Technical Assistance Centers are a great place to start. Uh, If you want to find a PTAC within your area, I would recommend going to the website uh, aptac, aptac-us.org. There's a little mapping tool. You can go and find a PTAC in your area see what kind of resources that they can offer, you know, and there's a broad range of experience by PTAC counselors across the U.S. And so you may find that there's a counselor that's very versed in teaming and can help you out. I would also say to engage with a coach or consultant that's specialized in this area uh, if you want to go out and do that, and they can be a, a great help for you. So when you come to the table with this large business and you can get your coach or your consultant to just sit in on this meeting with you and basically be the the moderator of sorts or be the person that's going to help to answer those questions about how all of this is going to work. So, you know, if you really don't have the time to maybe, you know, sit through a lot of the training or you just want to bring somebody in, I think that's a really great way to do it, uh, to bring them to the table and then they can say, well, here's how we're going to do this. Okay. Uh, and then this, this, third advisor that I would recommend is really to have a government market attorney that's first in uh, small business teaming structures and joint venture structures, because essentially there's a lot of intricacies in there. 
And you want an attorney that's going to really help you craft these things because if it's not crafted in the right way, your competitors are going to try to exploit that and get you kicked out of the opportunity. Mm. And so I do recommend, you know, finding a government market advice. You might already have a, an attorney, but if they are not versed in the small business regulations that govern these small business, uh, the, the teaming and the joint venture structures out there, I'm not sure that they'd probably be the best resource for you. So uh, finding that uh, government market attorney. And I would like to mention that one of the things that we've uh, put together at Govology is we have a directory. So if you go to our homepage and click on our network of experts, you're going to see a directory of vetted service providers. So I've vetted each of these companies in hopes that I could better help small businesses find people that are doing good things for people out there uh, because there's a lot of uh, ripoffs and scams out there that you can really get yourself uh, caught up into an engagement with uh, somebody that basically doesn't really have your best interest in mind. So if you're looking for an attorney or a consultant or a coach, and I know that you guys are in there, Michael, under RSM Federal, I, I think that's a really great way to go. And, and what I recommend is just go and look at the various categories of support uh, folks that we have there and do your own due diligence on the various companies there and, and then find somebody that could be right for you. So I think having two to three government market advisors and those specific ones that I talked about will really pay dividends in your business. A couple of last things, uh, stay current with what's going on with the program. Of course, you want to keep an idea of what's happening with this new program and where can I find more information. Um, I really like the smallgovcon.com blog. Uh, it's done by Stephen Coprince. He's a government market attorney, and that's where he specializes his business. And I don't get a referral fee for saying his his blog on there, but it's really a great source of information because he he really does a great job of keeping folks updated with what's happening with regulatory changes. Uh, supposedly, the uh, SBA is going to begin taking applications for this program on October 1st, which is just a couple of days away here. Uh, but we don't know. Maybe that's going to get delayed. But I'm sure that uh, as you know, things get rolled out, that's going to be a great place to keep up so I, I suggest that you sign up to his uh, email list and just keep track of what's going on there. Um, you know, podcasts like the one you're on today is another great way uh, of staying up to date. Um, and then the last bit of advice I would say is kind of develop a long range plan. You know, it's like do your market research, know specifically, you know, what agencies that you want to target uh, what contracts within those agencies you want to capture and be prepared ahead of time. And this is one of the things that I see a lot of people struggle at, because if you're not really understanding how to do some forecasting and how to see things out there before they come out as a solicitation, you're not going to be able to probably do a joint venture within the solicitation period. So really being able to understand that market research, knowing maybe when the contracts are going to come out, even before they get posted to the public, uh, is a really good thing to do. And so that you can get those structures in, in developed because when you do a joint venture, you have to have at least one opportunity that you're going to say, this is the, the opportunity that we're going to do the JV around. And so you really want to be on top of it. Maybe you get word that something's going to come down the pipeline through a source of sought, or perhaps you're doing some forecasting, or maybe it was something that was posted on the agency's acquisition forecast. And again, that, I think that's where that education piece, Michael, comes in for folks is that when you're able to really understand that and and see things happening before they even happen and get your team in place, get your joint venture in place, 
before the solicitation is even out then and you have that structure in place when you do see the solicitation then all you have to worry about is focusing on the proposal effort with your team and i think that's where the key to success is here I, I love all the thoughts you said. Normally I come on and wrap it up and I think you kind of did the wrap up for me there. there. There's just so many great thoughts around that. And, you know, that final one there, just putting the team together, having it in place well ahead of this RFP hitting the street. Uh, so you're prepared for it. You know, I mean, it's just a big deal. And a lot of people like to come in here at the 11th hour and go, hey, I just saw this thing hit the street. So let me take the next three or four, five, six days to find a teaming partner, convince them to do it. Oh, we have one day left to, <laughs> to, to, to do the RFP. I mean, yes. that's how it happens. And that's just no way to start a relationship with people. And if I boil it all down to, to one word, it would be relationship. You know, when you're going to teaming joint ventures, it's it's about relationships and bringing the right type of information, the right type of opportunities in the right way builds a relationship. And that that is a long term strategy. So I really like that. I really like everything you brought here today. Thank you so much for it. I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you for all the wisdom. And I look forward to having you back on sometime, Carol. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, I also want to take a minute to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. You can also learn more about each of our guests by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash Game Changers, where we'll have links to their websites, contact information, their LinkedIn, different things like that. And last but not least, please visit our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal access program at rsmfederal.com forward slash fa for more information on how you can find and win more government contracts thanks for listening to game changers for government contractors for a full list of episodes and other resources be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers